1: Obvious thing to talk about on the See You Another Side podcast um, because we do have a weird song in every single episode, but it's not something we've brought up enough. So finally, on episode 236, we've decided to actually talk about music and the paranormal and its relationship Ooh-hoo.
2: yeah, and you know we're we 're probably going to have to have more episodes about it because this is just you know you 're opening up a can of, of worms here mike i mean there 's so much to it, you know, just off the top of my head, you know when you 're at a paranormal investigation. Most often, you are trying to get the ghost to pay attention to you, <laughs> um, and one of the ways you do that is through trigger objects. One of the common ways to trigger ghostly activity, paranormal activity, is to play music.
1: Right, and so that's a great way, and we're going to be talking about that today as we talk about music and altered states of consciousness, music, and talking to the dead. Yeah, there's so much. Right. So uh, everybody, introduce yourselves real quick. If this is the first time you listen to "See You on the Other Side" podcast, my name is Mike, and I play in the band Sunspot, and I am a weirdo. And we're here with uh, I'm Wendy. I also play in the band Sunspot, and I am also a weirdo.
2: And and I'm I'm a I'm Mike's sister. I'm I'm also a weirdo. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's Allison. She, didn't, she
1: was kind of bashful
3: and, yeah. and not very proud yes. of that Yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah, I'm
2: Allison uh, MilwaukeeGhost.com. com.
1: Not wanting to admit we share DNA, I understand. Yeah, And yeah. we're also joined with?
3: With Scott Marcus from Story.com.
1: All right. So I just wanted to get the introductions out of the way so everybody knows who they're listening to today. And later on, we're going to have Praga Khan uh, from the Lords of Acid Like Shaka Khan?
2: Here. Just like Shaka Khan. Shaka- ex-
1: <laughs> except a dirty old man. Oh. <laughs> He's
2: not... <laughs> not, not cute like Shaka Khan. I really like Shaka Khan, by the way.
1: And I really enjoyed... Shout out to Shaka
2: Khan if you're out there. You should be on the Uh, podcast.
1: If she's listening, uh, right. So the thing is, um, he's not a dirty old man. He's a wonderful and We'll talk more about him later and why that we're having a
2: techno pioneer on the podcast today. Well, well, why do the two things have to be mutually exclusive? That's just my question. What do you mean? (laughs) Dirty old man and musical pioneer.
1: That's true. Actually, actually it's true I'd say probably a lot of musical pioneers are dirty like just look at Steven Tyler there you go <laughs> you know every time you see Steven Tyler like it's um, you can just see uh, he wants every... a Walnetto <laughs> he's right.
2: got that I want a Walnetto look
1: he does he does. And by Walnetto, I mean <laughs> sex with groupies. Uh, that's exactly what I think you're saying. Now, the thing is that the relationship between music and the paranormal is more complicated than we think. Like, I just, I originally just saw it like, okay, uh, songs are songs. Like, it's, we like them because they're catchy. We like it because um, we like things that rhyme, you know? Yeah. We like it because we, when we're kids, uh, the idea the music is a soothing way, we fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um But there's a lot more than just the conscious stuff going on with music.
2: Well, I mean, it has so much power over us. And I think probably that's because we like it because it resonates with us. It it has so much to do with with human emotion. Like music seems to sound like emotions feel. And I think that's what draws us in. But, you know, the question is, why is that? Why does music have this... Power over us is it the repetition? uh What is, is it, it? All that sexiness packed in the prince's little body? Oh
0: jeez! <laughs> well, there's the connection in your brain as well that they've you know shown that when music plays, there's certain parts of your brain are activated that are also associated with emotional states. So there's some kind of a tight link there.
1: Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, you know, when we're talking about music, like. And this is probably where I get in trouble as someone who comes from everything at a materialist perspective first. And I just can't help it. Like you have that first thing like, all right, we, we think about stuff. Uh, we have our uh, prefrontal cortex or whatever that, that does the thinking for us. And then we act based on, you know, what our prefrontal cortex decides. But as we've talked about on the podcast before, it seems like our subconscious makes the decisions for us. And then our prefrontal cortex kind of justifies it.
2: It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it rationalizes what that id wants. right right. <laughs> and the,
1: the id for me is usually like like a chocolate bar, and then you're like, oh yeah, this chocolate bar tastes so good. <laughs> and then, you know, the rational mind is like, well, I only have one chocolate bar. And then and, my and, and, cast, and
2: didn't my I read cast? that chocolate is actually good for your health? You know, you <laughs> have to have right. a little chocolate a day. Isn't that what the French do? Wine and <laughs> dark chocolate. So shouldn't we be more like the French?
1: The French have led me to so many bad decisions in my life.
2: <laughs> Blame
1: the French. <laughs> Just because it's like, well, French people do it. Seems like a great idea. <laughs> anyway, the thing is we have a very subconscious reaction to music, and it actually changes our brain states. When we listen to songs, we have subconscious activations going on. And that's why, uh, you know, when we're using music in a paranormal investigation that actually, you think you're trying to get at ghosts in a different way instead of saying the usual thing like, Did somebody hurt you? Is there something you want to say? Like, you know, do,
2: can you say my name when you play music? <laughs> yeah, say my name. You know, you want to say my name. It just reminds me of someone we're going to talk about in a little bit. <laughs> it does. It
1: does. Oh, so how have you guys used music in a paranormal investigation? Well, Wendy's got a great
3: one, and we talked about it not all that long ago, uh, down in Centralia, Illinois, trying to uh, to reach out to a spirit known as Violin Annie. That's right.
0: There's a monument in the cemetery of a young girl, and she died at a, a really young age of diphtheria, I believe. Mm-hmm. But she was known around town for playing the violin, and so the monument is her holding the violin. And the stories go that people hear violin music uh, when they visit her gravesite at certain times of day or certain nights. And so we went there, and I brought my violin. You were like,
2: and hey, Annie, I want to jam with you. Yeah, <laughs> let's do yeah.
1: that.
0: Well, you figure, you know, if there is a spirit of a person who was really into that, and that was something important to them, and that they did a lot, then perhaps having that music in our world playing might trigger some kind of mm-hmm.
4: energy
1: or, or response. That's what we were hoping for. So, yeah. Did violin Annie jump out and, like... That she bring out the, the thing like it, like the devil went down to Georgia when he brings out the violin? Did she come out <laughs> nice. and say, she's like, I'll challenge you. I'll take you on, Wendy. It was a tough one because
3: there was a lot of other singing going on <laughs> by uh, millions and millions of grasshoppers and crickets.
0: Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, our, our, our investigation was foiled by the uh, insect population. They wanted yeah. to
2: jam too, playing their instruments.
0: Exactly. The recordings that we got pretty much, you could hear violin playing and then you could hear bugs.
3: Yeah, if there was anything faint, it was not <laughs> detectable by our mics. <laughs> but the
0: concept, you know, it was a neat... That, that was the, like the first time that we've tried, I think... Um, you know, Mike, you and I tried that also at the South Pittsburgh Hospital. Yes, we did. We tried to see if we could get the hat man to appear. <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, nothing seemed to happen for that. And also, the, the thing about violin Annie was the investigation was ruined by the louder ghost, who was just a couple of gravestones away, Metal Malcolm. And so his <laughs> his nice. his ghost... Uh, like that band is just way too loud. Um, <laughs> anyway, and actually, I was just looking over some footage last night of uh, we were playing in a cemetery, in, a haunted cemetery in Austin. And uh, I was going through and seeing if anything popped up. And right now, it looks like we're zero for three. If we're bringing up. So I was toast. just going to say,
0: like, <laughs> although we have tried this experiment, yes. we have not succeeded yet.
2: Try not to take it personally.
0: <laughs> and, and when you look at ghost investigations, what is the hit rate? It has to right. be so low. I mean, yeah. that's why you get hours and hours and hours of
2: yeah, <laughs> so and what and they,
0: footage. What and, if the EVP's you, like, you guys suck?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, at least they said something, right?
0: <laughs> right. It's, when you review the audio, all you hear is, boo. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, I wish I had real hands to throw tomatoes. <laughs> or throttle you. Wait, now we know why ghosts say boo.
1: <laughs> yeah, now we know why ghosts say boo. Hey, they
0: don't like the music we play. Oh, that's great. I love
2: that oh, one. No. You got to put that on a t shirt. And nice. Allison,
1: you took my line too. I was about to say we got to put that on the t
2: shirt. Oh my god!
3: I, and I was visualizing it. Yeah. So we're on the same page I, here. Sweet. So we can
0: totally rip on our own music.
2: I, yes. It's great. <laughs> well, you know, because selling merchandise, they say that you know. Uh, hate is not the opposite of love, it's indifference. <laughs> so yeah. ah. See, at, at
3: least the booing ghost stayed you, to the end of the performance. They didn't walk out.
2: Yeah. Who <laughs> cares about you enough to comment? I mean, you reach them. You really reach them. But yeah, I just think um there's a lot of there's a lot of possibility here. I mean, I think it's probably better as a way to conjure a ghost to, you know, convince a ghost to come out. Um, to, you know, like, play music that they might have liked or uh, play music from the era that they're from instead of, like, having it be, like, some kind of shouting match uh, at the investigation? Well, that's exactly what I think. Something
0: I wonder often is, you know, especially on these ghost TV shows, well, actually all the time, I mean, do ghosts have ears? Like, that's how we hear things. But we don't know. I mean, and if it's an energy that's trying to receive energy... What better way to do that than to have something that triggers your own psychological response, you know, music that makes you feel something. So maybe Mm -hmm. if you're feeling that, that could transfer to whatever, an entity.
3: Right. In in theory. This is just... (laughs) No, I like that a lot. And when I I was doing a a, a little ghost hunting EVP session out in Napa several years ago now with my friend Max, whose studio we were recording this in, (laughs) and um, I was asking questions out loud and had the recorder going, and he said, do we even need to say this out loud? Don't they just, you know... Can't they pick up on our intention? And it's like, that's a good idea. Good question. <laughs> yeah. Probably true. And uh, so I guess we're just recording it out loud or saying it out loud just so that we have it on the on the recording of what we're asking. So with the response, we we'll go back <laughs> and review it later.
1: But if ghosts yeah. could read my mind, that's probably why they don't want to talk to me. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're like, this is a bad dude. Just back away. This guy's away. A very, this...
0: very confused. This guy's a pig. <laughs> well,
2: well, my yeah. thing too, it's it's like you got to think of the spirits, you know, what like what would they want? And it's hard to know because, you know, although you can apply the golden rule that, you know, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. I mean, I think that's good practice. But, you know, even better than that would be do to others as they want you to do unto them, which is a whole nother question.
1: That's when your E V P turns into S and M.
2: Oh gosh. <laughs> of course you're gonna go there, Mike. Obviously, the
1: softballs aren't going to hit themselves, guys.
2: This is why ghosts don't come to you, Mike. <laughs> okay.
1: Now, the thing is, though, so you guys remember that video that came out a few years ago about the Alzheimer's patient listening to music of, the, of his youth or whatever, and then people start to yeah. pick up. And that yeah. was, you know, a real popular thing to to bring out the tears on Facebook. But this is a real thing that it's activating something in memory that is beyond the conscious. It finds somewhere in there that talking to someone can't get to. And that's what music can accomplish. And maybe you're getting at the subconscious of the ghost. Or like, you think, I mean, it could be trying to get a reaction from something. Right. Where it can't hear you with its ghostly ears, like Wendy was saying. Like, right, ghosts don't have ears. They're not even corporeal. So what are you going to do? So try to get at their emotional center uh, in the middle of their haunted Tootsie Roll Pop. And, (laughs) you know. Yum. With a song. With a song. And that's some of the stuff we've tried to do on location so far. And we haven't had it happen yet. But the thing is, it's only got to happen once, right? Yeah. Like, the yeah. spirit's only got to walk out and, like, slap the guitar <laughs> out of my hands and be like, you, sir. <laughs> Before we're like, hey, guys, go surreal.
0: Um, right. Exactly. Like I said, the hit rate for getting any kind of response from any investigation is very low. So, I mean, we should probably try this more, yeah. get a few more experiments out there before we... Uh, determine if it's successful
2: right and it might be that the ghosts are reaching back but that we can't sense it so that's a good point that that um maybe is something that music could also help with you know thinking of music playing certain music certain beats to influence the brain into different states and there's a I don't know really if it's scientific, but I've (laughs) I've bought a whole lot of CDs which claim to, if you listen to the music on it, it'll put you into a certain state through playing these beats. And, uh, you know, it's called brainwave entrainment. Yeah, we've talked about binaural beats before. In fact, we even have a... a
1: like an episode where the last five minutes or whatever has a certain kind of binaural beats with a melody over the top. You can listen to it and it'll blow your mind. Uh,
0: <laughs> somewhere there's there's someone with headphones on that's just still sitting in that state. Oh,
2: no, Maybe, it's our fault. They haven't,
1: no. they haven't <laughs> eaten anything since 2015. Um, <laughs> no, but that, that's that idea that, that music and dancing in particular, and since uh, we're going to be talking to a techno artists, electronica, like industrial, uh, pioneer Praga Khan in a little bit, that idea of dancing, of that, like, forcing you into this kind of altered state where you can do paranormal things. Um, you know, I used to think, I used to think that was wacky. You know, I'm just like, you know, this is just part of superstition. These rituals um, that people do are just all silly. And I thought that for a long time. Um, and then when we were talking to Dean Radin about his great book, Real Magic. And he talked about entering that state of gnosis, mm. uh, G-N-O-S-I-S. And I always think about... Uh, no Canoes is Good Canoes with Gary Canu, right. Gnosis. <laughs> like always, if you got, this That's the great space coaster that might be. Uh, if you guys are under 30, you probably have never seen it. Um, and you have a new Canadian show to, that you used to watch on PBS in the morning that replaced it. But uh, so Gnosis, this idea where you're in an altered state, you know, that's where they say magic happens. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Dean Radin in Real Magic... What he talks about is that in the lab, people are able to achieve what we would normally think as remarkable, magical things—wild
2: talents. Wild talents
1: in the state of gnosis, and music and dancing are one way to get there. And so that this really led me to believe in these rituals in in a whole different way. Like just you just grow up, you thinking like, all right, this is primitive this is you know it's not real it's just human superstition it's that idea uh you know it's Carl Sagan you know whispering in your ear like it's all BS
2: you know <laughs> it's a demon haunted world get over it's it like, bi-
1: it's billions and billions of stories of BS <laughs> and you just, pi- just
2: picture that whispering in your ear
1: but then you think okay well now in the lab they see that remarkable things happen when people enter this gnosis state
2: and there are really you know different technologies that You know, we haven't respected in the past. Well, I mean,
1: we did respect it in the past in the way of, like, people believed it, and they did the rituals, but now we, you know.
2: The westernized um, civilization hasn't maybe um, respected uh, these other indigenous technologies.
1: Sure, but at least they've been able to adapt some And I would say that we now see that people will take bits and pieces of different cultures and dancing and, you know, put it all together. And now these like EDM festivals, you want to talk about a Gnosis party. I mean, think about an EDM festival where you've yeah. got a hundred thousand people. Number one, dancing their way into an altered state of consciousness. Number two, drugging their way into an altered state of consciousness. You think if maybe these DJs would put out something like, like, let's have a world peace dance or whatever. And I, and I know I sound like this, like the, not like let's have a world peace dance, brother. Let's all <laughs> hold hands and sing kumbaya. Yeah, it's gonna be really good. We're really gonna change the world. You know what I mean? It's gonna be really <laughs> fun. Um, But that idea, like, what kind of, you know, besides just the dancing, besides just a good time, what kind of positive things could happen when you have 100,000 people in an altered state trying to accomplish something amazing? And there's been a couple of of really interesting articles put out. And, you know, this one, Timothy Timothy Thomason from Northern Arizona University, he comes out, The Role of Altered States of Consciousness in Native American Healing. And it's all about how the dancing and the chanting and the drumming of some of these uh, Indian rituals, it puts people into the alpha state where they are more susceptible to hypnotic suggestion. And we use hypnosis in psychotherapy. We use hypnosis in like helping people to quit smoking or stop eating so damn much or, you know, any of those things. You know, we have this thing of, you know, the, the pendulum or the you know, little pendant. And it's like, ooh, mm-hmm. you know, balk like a chicken. And people have been doing this kind of thing to get themselves into this state in order to heal for, you know, for millennia. And they do it through dancing. They don't do it through a penance or anything. It's done through dancing and chanting. And music is what's causing you to go into that state.
2: Well, I'd be interested, too, in learning more about that, what what tribes, and seeing if we can acquire some of that music and see if we can repeat some of those experiments. Um, I just want to interject that one of the tribes that I work with has a a dance—well, the the tribes in, let's just say, this area uh, of the Midwest— the the Woodlands area have a dance called the Jingle Dress Dance, and it is a dance particularly of healing. And hmm. actually, I, I went and uh, you know did some research to see about when that that dance originated, and it actually originated around 1918 when the uh, influenza pandemic was killing people around the world. And that was the reaction uh, to those uh, sicknesses in the community, uh, in the Ojibwe community. And um, this dance is purported to have have saved someone's daughter, and maybe was used to save others in 1918,
1: or just like was it just like in the past year when they did the jingle dress?
2: No, it the was dress dress. It, it was originated. It came from a dream. Um, okay. the jingle dress design. And what you have is you have little metal cones. You have hundreds of them uh, on a dress, like 365 one for each day of the year, I believe. And um, so then uh, they make a a very, you know, therapeutic sound when you're, when you have, you still have the drum going, but then you also have um, these uh, cones, these metal cones tapping together. And um, that, that came to someone in a dream, and then he uh, was able to make this dress uh, for his daughter, who was very ill. And through wearing the dress and dancing, uh, she was cured. Sweet. And and now that that's used, and any uh, powwow you go to in the Midwest, anyway, you will, you know, be treated to the jingle dress dance. And the idea is, you know, that that dance heals the community.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, that and and that's pretty awesome, and and that that's that kind of thing of you know putting your mind in uh, in that direction, reprogramming it almost through dance and, and and helping you heal through that. So science has shown that that dance can put you into a state of suggestiveness and maybe some deeper states that we don't understand, you know, like the, the theta and Delta that you can get to. And that's purely through music. That's purely through dancing. There's something there. Like, you know, I don't feel like I'm in some kind of alpha state or whatever when I'm just shaking my booty to Cardi B.
2: Yeah. Well, as far as, um, native indigenous healing, um, again, you know, this area can't speak to anything, you know, beyond that but i know that um, every time i have been in sweat lodge uh, which is a healing a community healing uh, ritual as well you know of course there there's drums and there's rattles in the sweat lodge and you know we're calling the spirits when when we're we're doing that when we're uh, playing the drums and rattles but um you know, the whole purpose of the Sweat Lodge is kind of a rebirth experience. And you really feel like that when you come out. I mean, oh, man, when you have that feast afterward, it's like those strawberries. I don't know. They just taste really great. <laughs> How hot does it get in the Sweat Lodge? <laughs> really, really hot. Really do you, wear like, hot, a, but do you I'm, wear like a bathing suit? Well, no. Women actually wear long skirts. Uh, the men take their shirts off, though. <laughs> but, you know, they just wear pants. And then the women... You know, dress respectfully in actually a long, long skirt, and uh, wow. it is really hot in there, and it gets progressively hotter because there's four stages, and they keep putting more grandfathers on the fire. There's fire keepers outside the lodge, and uh, so then they they are they keep the fire going, which is heating these big stones, which you call grandfathers, and then they will um, at different stages they'll bring in uh, another. Um, pitchfork full of grandfathers into the center of the lodge and then you pour water on it and sometimes tea uh, made of various roots and um, which also, you know, the steam is... That's what it is. It's not smoke in there. It's steam in there. But the steam is infused with herbs many times uh, for their healing. Um, but so there's music in there. There's steam. There's herbs.
1: If I go in there, take my shirt off. Be like, that, 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 that's like adding a couple more grandfathers on the fire. Yeah,
2: <laughs> right. So it gets progressively hotter over the the four stages. And and you can get out if if you if you call out um, to all my relatives, then they'll let you out. But hey. I've never done that, so I've, I'm i awesome. um, extremely okay with heat, not so much the cold, so that's why yeah. living in Wisconsin is a bit of a conundrum.
1: You know, and I think that the, the sweat lodge stuff, those those rituals, and that was another thing Dean Radin said, it's like, that's the important thing about magic. It's the rituals put you in the state where belief can change your life.
0: Well, I also have a personal experience with this, Ooh. <laughs> and Mike, you probably do too, and anyone who's... Practice music or worked on getting better at an instrument, like when you do the exercises, you know, the the rudiments, for example, on drums or scales on the violin or piano or something, and you're doing them over and over and over and over again. And it kind of, I find, puts me into a bit of a meditative state. And we know the power of meditation. Right. (laughs) You know, it's a similar kind of thing. You're getting your brain into a different state. But for me, with music and with practicing an instrument, it's a perfect way to do that because... You know, you're doing something repetitive. It's kind of like stating a mantra over and over mm-hmm. again. But you're you're just in this repetitive practice over and over again. And I find also with the violin, when I'm practicing songs or tunes or whatever, time just goes by so quickly. I'll start practicing and all of a sudden an hour has gone, you know. And that's similar to a meditative state mm-hmm. where you just you kind of lose the
1: space time. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> I, I, so. I usually try to combine the best of both worlds by taking my shirt off while I'm working on music. But the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: You okay. lost me. I, I, I don't know how get they're get taking the shirt off. off. Came
1: into that. <laughs> but no. But Ross. the thing is, that's true. And when you're working on something and when you're engaged and, and you're really into it, it's like that state of they talk about the state of flow. Right um, Mikhail Yeah I can't I mean I can't remember The guy's name His first name is Mikhail And he wrote this book Called Flow And it's just a whole idea Like once you're Into something That you feel Really engaged in And go, and go through it Like time moves differently And right. that's music That's dance That's meditation uh, And that's some of the stuff We're talking about here And when and all of a sudden your state is altered and time is feeling different, that's when you can make you know, really interesting changes. And that's when people say that they can perhaps do paranormal things like talk to the dead. The entire ghost dance movement of the late 19th century is based on the, the, the traditional circle dance, um, the Native American circle dance, but this spiritual leader came out and said that if we do this dance right, we'll be able to be able to talk to the dead, we'll be able to you know, bring spirits back to to fight for us. You know, we can get out of this whole reservation system and drive the European colonists out as America was pushing westward. You know, one of the Native American movements fighting it was, the you know, Wovaka and this ghost dance where yeah. dancing and talking to the ancestors was integral to the entire, like, movement of it.
2: Right, and that was a real practice in trying to manifest history back to where it was right to expunge this white cancer that was fast claiming their way of life but that's the problem you know we we know um you know when we're trying to manifest something through social media uh, for example how hard it is to get somebody to stand up with you and believe and uh even click a button um so right yeah it's it, it's a difficult thing, but yeah, I mean, never doubt that it's possible. People working together, that's what changes the world
1: well, and that's what we're talking about we, we talk and I'd say before we introduce our interview, I wanted to bring up one last thing uh, that kind of relates to these um you know indigenous rituals and then also the world of. Industrial, fetish, dancing, and S and M. And I know that's you know, we have that thing, oh, it's kinky, it's sexy, blah, blah, blah. But also it's people engaging in extreme rituals. And there's science behind extreme rituals being able to alter your state of consciousness. Now, one of the bands that the Lords of Acid is playing with on this tour is called the Jenna Torturers. And it's a funny name and it's all kind of tongue in cheek. Um, but the first time I saw the Jenna Torturers, they had a guy on a wheel, they spun him around and you know, where like the thing would land, like so you spin him on the wheel and where the thing would land would be like where they pierce him on the body during that show.
2: <laughs> oh mm. my god. Yeah. That is and, horrible. And hey, I'm a guy that That's has like nipple pierced
1: on live television. The so price I is
2: right wheel gone terribly wrong. It's the price is <laughs> <Right>. wrong. <laughs> Imagine oh, the wheel of fortune. Run away. <laughs>
1: Imagine if that that happened to you when you lost Plinko, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Right? Uh, Like Bob Barker. Well, you know what he'd like to stick. But the thing is, (laughs) these kind of extreme rituals, the piercing, the dancing, in the science that was done, uh, this from... The 1980s is when some of these initial studies were done and they've been following up in the 2000s, but there's drumming and piercing and dancing and people are experiencing altered states of consciousness, you know, from these particular rituals and they're changing the actual states of their brains through them. And it's like the more extreme it is, the more, you know, the more their brain changes. You get pierced and you don't feel the pain. And the thing is, is that they were like, they put them up to electrodes and stuff like that. And they see that their brains, uh, like different parts of their brain were activated during these kind of rituals than like, you know, during regular dancing and stuff. And so the stuff that people were doing in uh, techno and industrial that were shocking are actually just part of the same old religious tradition. uh, We talk about shamanism and dancing and things like that, that humans have been doing since prehistory.
2: Well, one last thing about that I mean it, it you're just reminding me it kind of uh, harkens back to uh, traditional tattooing um, mm. in the Pacific as well. you know the idea you know that they they have handheld tools that they tattoo you with. so I mean there is pain associated with it, you would think, but it's you know a Pacific Islander tattooing. They're doing it for a specific purpose, for um, protection, uh, for connecting you with your ancestors. Uh, it is paranormal in its very essence and its very purpose. So, but pain, I you know the pain involved reminds me of that extreme ritual practice.
1: Oh sure. And there is a certain amount of appropriation that happens um, when we talk about things like this. And that, that's kind of how, like, cultures touch each other. You know, people take little bits of each, you know, uh, uh, of each bit, and they kind of bring it together, in, you know, to form a new culture. And that's some of the stuff that we got from techno and industrial. Uh, you know, they called them the modern primitives back in the 90s. That was kind of, um, was one of the buzzwords, because that's when everybody started getting piercing everything. Remember when the huge, like, ear, the double zero ear piercing came in? Oh, man. What you know <laughs>
3: You,
2: Mike, yep. wasn't that one? It all happened for you. Well, I
1: never got a tattoo, number one. Well, but so, there was piercing. Oh yeah, I did. No, I got my ears pierced, and then I got my nipple pierced, and, and that there was so much adrenaline stuff because I did that in a performance. I did that on television, and I, actually there was a countdown, like, you know, like from, there's a countdown from ten, and. You know, they did the whole thing. It was like a close-up in the whole deal. We did it on a cable-access television show. So at least you waited for the biggest stage possible. <laughs> right. yeah, <laughs> right. So at least 15 people saw it. Yeah. Um, I think I got the video somewhere, so I'll have to, I'll have to get that on YouTube one of these days. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but no, that whole idea that... Your brain is in a different state when you're in the act of performance, and I know that Wendy and I have f- felt that on stage a million times. You're going through something. Maybe an emotion hits you in the middle of a song that you're like, "Whoa, I didn't know that! Like, what's that doing there? I need to, you know, get it together. It uh, you know, for the me- yeah, for a performance, people are watching. <laughs> yeah, get your
2: head together. I'm a clump. I it's can't go the- on. I'm a right. clump. The show must go on.
1: The show must go on. You're getting paid to do this. So, but that's the idea is that it can activate, it activates parts of your, you know, parts of your brain, parts of your soul, if you will, uh, that you, that you didn't know were there. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And that's why it can be useful in a paranormal investigation.
3: Well, and I think, um, you know, anytime you're talking about performance, you know, whether it's actors on a stage and emoting and then having the audience feel that emotion. Um, and if you're doing as Allison brought up powwows and trying to make that connection, it's an emotional moment. So it can also lead to, in addition to connection in that moment, um, residual hauntings later, uh, because you are impacting that area. And uh, as we're talking, I'm reminded of the first time I ever went to Robinson Woods in uh, northern Illinois, not too far from O'Hare. Alexander Robinson was an incredible, incredible story. He was uh, uh, half white uh, Scottish, actually, and half Native American. And he was able to kind of help Chicago settle more peacefully. Uh, and ended up being the, the chief of the Potawatomi, uh, Ottawa, and Chippewa.
2: Yeah, Anishinaabe. And,
3: and the uh, the first time I ever went there, I was w- there with my research partner when I was first writing uh, my book, Voices from the Chicago Grave, and we each separately heard a single tom tom beat, and then we heard uh, another one later in the day together. And then a year goes by, and this is the most active site I'd ever been to. Every time I went, something would happen. Eventually, I brought an entire uh, bus tour through, and as we walked through the woods, uh, about half the group, we kind of split up at one point, but I was still with a big group of people, and we heard an entire you know, five or six uh, rhythm, six-beat rhythm, and we just kind of froze in place. But that's a place that even currently, powwows happen, ceremonial moments happen. Uh, so it, it is a very important and respected place yeah. in that community. We've got to go think- back
2: there. I mean, I, I, I know a little Ojibwe, so I mean... That in combination with, um, you know, some musical outreach, you know, might yield, uh, some more EVP because, uh, the Chippewa, sure. uh, is another name for the Ojibwe. And so the, the Chippewa, uh, the Ottawa, the Potawatomi, they were in an alliance in an alliance and still are today called the three fires Alliance. And, um, uh, another name, and the indigenous name for the Three Friars Alliance, is the Anishinaabe. Okay. And since he's half Scottish, we can bring out the bagpipes. And I can talk. There like we this go.
1: And say, hey, <laughs> oh,
4: Robert, no. somebody,
1: go ahead and talk to us. What are you doing?
3: That's. I mean, you know, Perfect. you're joking, but that could actually.
1: The thing you know, and you've Allison, got, you still Wendy, when, your when
3: you're done with the accordion, get that ba- bagpipe speaks, going. The <laughs>
1: speaks the Ojibwe, and then I come out, and it's like we read some Robert Burns. Get out of here, <laughs> you tough kilt.
2: I'll give you a glasswegian kiss.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so that, oh my god, we're totally doing that! You're yeah. gonna bring your kilt and your your hat, uh, with the red hair. Yeah, it's gonna be perfect. <laughs> I love we're it. We're coming out and doing it. Well,
1: okay. So speaking of ridiculous, uh, we can't forget about Zach Baggins. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: how could we ever forget?
1: And this is one of the reasons I wanted to have Praga on the show. So okay. Uh, Lords of Acid was a very influential electronic music band, late 80s and 90s. And they're still out there today playing. They're playing in Milwaukee at uh, the Miramar Theater on March 7th. And they're playing all over the country as part of their tour. But we talked to them to preview their Milwaukee show. And so uh, Maurice Englund, uh is a Belgian electronic musician who's also known as Praga Khan. And uh, it's just it's it's fun Dance music, and it's always a little bit risque. That was one of the reasons you know I'd heard of them, is because some <laughs>
2: a little bit risque. Somebody's
1: like, You can't believe what this band's singing about, you know, and it'd be like, It was like a whole song based on I Must Increase My Bust, you know, and just you know, yeah. things like that. And then uh, Paul Verhoeven uses them in Basic Instinct, and they start getting in all these 90s uh, movies, and it just sounds like the soundtrack of decadence, like you know, Lords of Acid is like the kind of music you think of, like, Oh, I. I bet these people have orgies, and that's you know as a, you're, like, you're like, what's going on? Um, but it's still catchy and fun songs. Um, but it should be no surprise that they were Zach Bagans' favorite band.
2: Yes, <laughs> that explains a lot.
1: Zach Bagans' favorite band, and so in 2011, actually, uh, Zach did a rap on a Lords of Acid track called Paranormal Energy, <laughs> and I'll link to that. I'll link to that in the show notes. Oh, to see please the Zach Bagans, do, please. Zach awesome. Bagans rap. It's that I would say the music of that song is great. It's a really music, really and and Zach. Um, I don't know if they auto-tuned him, but he sounds like he knows what he's doing.
2: Oh, really? Okay. Sounds nice. like he
1: knows what he's doing.
2: There's the first time for everything.
1: I'm sure his shirt was off when <laughs> he was recording.
2: He <laughs> 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 so managed to get Joe's shirt off? Of course, right? And, oh, man, I am just shocked and appalled. If anyone represents respect and decorum, it, it's Zach Bain. It's our man, Zach Bain. Is <laughs> it not? Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is,
1: that song went so well that um, Zach's management actually suggested that they do a whole album. So... Praga Khan and Zach Baggins in an album released in October 2012 called Necrof- Necrofusion. And this is where Zach took his EVPs uh, and then uh, Praga put them to like techno and industrial music and stuff like that. With So it's ghosts actually playing or performing on uh, elect- Necrofusion <laughs> with Zach's EVPs. And he did it with his SB7 spirit.
2: Did they sign a release?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Well, how are they going to sue, really? They're just going to haunt yeah, you. Yeah, well,
2: you know... How are they getting their residuals? We have to call ASCAP, Mike, ASCAP to the rescue.
0: I would argue that they're not actually performing since they didn't know they were going to be on the song when they made that sound. So
1: we can also say that uh, another crime against Zach Baggins is that he, he's been exploiting the dead. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I don't know what they say, but the thing—he brings a spirit box out, and then he was conducting EVP sessions in his course, his home dungeon, <laughs> where <laughs> he said poltergeist activity. Wait, wait,
2: wait! Back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is it, there no explanation for that oh, home dungeon? Oh yeah,
1: okay. What is that weird? So, right I mean,
2: next to the home he's theater. He's got a
1: person. Yeah. Well. There's an article on the Huffington Post. Uh, Some people have a home gym. Others have a home theater. Zach Bagans goes one better. He has his own dungeon. I don't know about one better, but (laughs) one more down the road. Like, isn't torture enough. He has a private dungeon underneath his home where he's decorated with real human skulls and other artifacts he's collected Mm. over the years. And he's like, I collect a lot of cursed objects. That's probably why I have a lot of problems. And then he flexed.
2: Um, (laughs) uh, Oh, he's a... (laughs) He's a wounded man.
1: <laughs> he's, you know, um, he's got the teeth that Gary Oldman wore in Bram Stoker's Dracula. He's got a couple of human skulls, and so yeah, he's got a he's got a whole personal dungeon, and that's where he conducted a lot of the EVP sessions that are used in the Necrofusion album. And so um, that's one of the things I asked Praga about. I talked about a little bit about being a risque band in the 1990s. Like, what was their experience when they performed in the US? And uh, we talk about Zach Baggins and the trance states that, that might happen to you if you, know, you listen to techno and, and get crazy with the dancing. But you guys should listen to the Necrofusion album because he gets EVPs from Bobby Mackey's Music World, from some more famous places where Ghost Adventures has done their episodes. And Zach wrote a whole, like, a through line of like, a story for Necrofusion. And it's you know the story of a departed soul uh, who has not crossed over.
2: Not the goat man.
1: Not the not the goat man <laughs> from the Demon House. <laughs> who in there? But I would say listening to Necrofusion is probably a hundred times more entertaining than sitting through Demon House. So, uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of it's because of the work of this man. So let's let's bring on Prager Khan from the Lords of Acid. The thing about the Lords of Acid is that you guys took the you know the explicit lyrics to an extreme. And it was like, wow, I never heard anybody like don't even like skip the double entendre and just go for it. You know, do you think that was one of the things that set you guys apart, or was th- is that just something like you're like, okay, we're writing in English, uh, let's use the words we know.
4: Yeah, but the thing is that uh, in those days, i say, uh, uh, so to go back like in time to the year eighty eight. <laughs> uh, there was We had this genre in uh, Belgium that was called U-Beat. Uh, so that was, it was like a style of dance music. Mm-hmm. And uh, that music um, was very erotic. And they also used a lot of curse uh, uh, words or a lot, like, uh, a lot of uh, words that were not allowed in the US. Right. But uh, we didn't think about it. So, uh, okay, it was an erotic uh, project. And uh, so, okay. Um, in those days, it was fun uh, to do it. Uh, it. It still is. But in those days, we did. We didn't think that uh, that it was going to be so, uh, let's say, uh, outrageous in the states. But then, uh, also, uh, in uh, in that era of of time, there was also uh, the the wife of uh, Al Gore. Oh yeah. Tipper, yeah, Tipper Gore. And she was she was the one who was really against everything that has to do with sex. So for us, it's okay. We came onto the market with, with lust, and everybody was, whoa, oh, what's this? You know, like the guys, they say whatever they want. But uh, but we were recording in Belgium. We didn't even know that it was uh, like uh, this strict uh, in America. Because now it it sounds, when you're listening to Lord bassett it sounds like really... Uh, sex explicit <laughs> but, when you, but when you listen to rap to rap artists they go way further than we we've ever done you know it's like uh they they're yeah
1: right i never thought we would get to the point where lord's vast it seems like oh that's nice that's quaint you know it's like yeah that's kind of sexy it's pretty good um you know it's fun uh it's just in the how time changes things and how many times have you heard uh somebody say to you like You know, I I started my family to your music, or or Lords of Acid concert was the first time I got laid. You must have heard that a million times.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of people who, uh, also a lot of people who came up to me and said, okay, I thank you because your music helped me through like uh, rough times because I was uh, like the only gay in the village. (laughs) And uh, so listening to your music, um, it gave me the power to uh, come out of the closet and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's nice that people come uh, up to me and, uh, and, and tell stories like that because, um, yeah, in a way, uh, uh, what's wrong with, uh, with, uh, uh, like talking or singing about sex because that, that, that's something uh, like, uh, most of the people I know, they have sex. <laughs> right. So, so why do I'm so like mysterious about it? It's like, uh, okay. Uh, if there wouldn't be sex, there wouldn't be a lot of uh, people running on this, on this wall. But, uh, yeah. So for us, we didn't think about it like that, but we had a lot of a lot of crazy stories, you know. And uh, like in America, with uh, like uh, with uh, the sheriffs and all that. I remember that we had to to, um, to do a concert in San Diego, and uh, so the sheriff he came to the tour bus, and there were like sixty three uh, things. Uh, that we couldn't do on stage yeah <laughs> 63 or 64 it was like a long list and it said yeah you have to you have to to uh, sign it um, before you go on stage and then I started to read it and it's uh, and uh, then I said, okay do not use uh, the mic in a suggestive way okay good but that yeah that's a very very tricky thing eh? uh, when when do you use the mic the mic in a suggestive way? Okay, uh, you sing in a mic with your mouth, right? <laughs> you can always uh, see it uh, like suggestive. But then the guy said, "Okay, you know what? Uh, um, yeah, we had this uh, council meeting last night. We know that uh, Lord West was coming to town. We talked about it. We, we put uh, we put down some." Uh, some uh, lines uh, or or things that you couldn't do, just just put your put your name under it, and then uh, I'll make sure everything uh, is is okay. And then okay, we, we so when we did the concert, there were like two guys, uh, two uh, policemen standing on the on the screen uh, on the stage with us, one on the left and one on the right. Uh, of, of the stage because still uh, yeah, that that uh, we didn't uh, start to uh, to make sex on stage or something like that. But they had the but they had the time of their life, you know, because they were on stage. They had a great time. They, uh, they were having so much fun, you know. Also with the with the, the uh, like when when the pussy came on, that uh, the girls were jumping on stage, uh, they had the time of their life. So, you know. But uh, yeah, that's <laughs> The thing is that with Lord of acid, it's it's like uh, it's always uh, with with tongue in cheek humor, you know. It's like um, okay, we're talking about sex, but also in a funny way. It's like uh, there was this guy once who said, "Yeah, Lord of acid. They're the Benny Hill of uh, <laughs> you know Benny Hill."
1: Oh, absolutely! He used to be on. Uh every night in Milwaukee at 10 o'clock and sometimes my parents would let me uh, stay up late enough to watch it and I'd watch it with my dad and my mom would
4: be like, Bob, turn that off. Yeah, I know. But that is, like people are saying, you know, I'm like, Dr. Oh, is the, uh, the Benny Hill of music, you know, it's like playing with, with the sax uh, subjects but uh, in, a, in a funny way. And uh, that's, uh, but that's all, the, the thing is that by doing it in a funny way, you know, like, Putting in some tongue and cheek humor into the show and into the lyrics and then everything uh, that gave us the opportunity to do it because when uh, when Lord's Vessels became really popular there were a lot of bands that tried to copy us uh, because yeah you know when something's popular it, it all, yeah, you always have uh, but then they took it uh, yeah, too far you know or they went too, they went too far or they they, they uh, yeah, and uh, it never worked because they, they, they forgot the most important thing uh, that's the humor that's in Los Sebastian.
1: Well, and that's one of the things um, I've always appreciated you guys. Is that everything's done with their tongue-in-cheek a little bit and that makes it fun and it makes it funny and it makes the, you know, the crowds in on the joke and having fun and having a great time.
4: Yeah, yeah, and also uh, I, I can tell you, Mike, what's also uh, very special about uh, Los Sebastian is that when the... Uh, uh, well, or is in town. It's like okay, uh, the freaks comes out. You know, it's like uh, everybody can uh, come in there, in their uh, like most sexy outfit, or they can dress up whenever they want. It's a sort of a Halloween sh- uh, show every night because everybody is all, is dressed up and had a lot of makeup, like also the people in the audience, and uh, that's what uh, what creates. Like a, a total atmosphere, you know. We have we have the band and the fans who know what it's all about, you know. But uh, and and it's like one big party, and uh, that works
1: well. And uh, and you guys are going on tour this time with the Jenna Torturers,
4: yes. First
1: time ever. Yeah, and I remember seeing the Jenna Tortures at the rave, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago. And they had like a dude on the on, like a wheel. They were spinning him around. They're piercing his nipples on stage. And I was there meeting a the guy who used to be in Thrill Kill Cult, Thomas Thorne. Yeah. And uh, we were having fun, having some beers, watching the bands. And I just, I don't, I've been to industrial shows, but I'd never been to like the circus atmosphere of something like that. And yeah. it was just, it was, ended up being a story that I told everyone. I'm like, you guys got to see this band. This- yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: But when you make it, uh, like, I, I think for, Bassett, uh, like you always have as a bay, as a basic, I want to have a good, good music, you know, like really good music that, uh, that, uh, and then we can, we can, uh, put the, the, uh, we can start creating the show, but, first thing we need is is like a good album with great music and that that's a fantasy and there's a lot of bands out there who put more efforts in making the show than making the album. And uh, with George Bassett it's always uh, like the music is the most important thing.
1: Well and I think you can tell that because um that's why I mean you guys are still able to tour and release stuff and have an intimate relationship with your fans uh you know 3 decades in you know I don't, I don't think most people know that you guys did the Mortal Kombat song
4: yeah and the most the, the most crazy story about about this is that we did uh, the album the Mortal Kombat album we did it in 3 weeks time yeah oh. so because they asked us yeah, can you can you write an album for a new game called Mortal Kombat and uh I said, okay, send us the game, you know, so we can start playing the game and start to get to know the characters, uh, what are their special, uh, like, uh, things that they have, uh, special forces special and stuff. And then, uh, so we started to play the game for uh, two, three days, and then we got uh, right into the studio and uh, we recorded the album in, in three weeks' time. Uh, and then we, we sent uh, the tapes over to America, and we went uh, we went back on tour. So we didn't even know that it was doing so well. So in, because in those days, this was like uh, yeah before the internet came. Huh? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. don't forget that uh, because also with the Lust album, I can tell you that uh, when we um, recorded the Lust album, so we, send, uh, we we've sent we uh, sent the album to Caroline Records. And then in those days, Praga Khan was really big in Japan and, uh, and and in Europe. So we went back on tour, but we didn't know what was happening in in America with with the Lost album. So uh, because there was no internet, uh, there was nothing. You know, we had we had we had no websites and stuff. So um, and after a couple of. Uh, Months, they said, okay, uh, you know that uh, your album from Los Angeles, is doing really well in America. But uh, oh no, no, <laughs> no idea. And then he, he sent me a fax, a fax with uh, with uh, the DJ charts from uh, from America, and it was all uh, regional digit charts. And so it had the uh, um, the uh, Take Control on number one, and it had uh, Let's Get High on number two. <laughs> <laughs> almost every DJ, so and then we realized, wow, this is something, something strange, you know? and then a uh, the, the couple of uh, weeks later, they said, okay, the album is now over 200,000, the album is now over 250,000, and then they said, uh, because we had, it, for us, it was just a project huh? in in those right. days, yeah. and then they said, okay, we want to be... Uh, like uh, Caroline asks uh, uh, for a, a Lords of tour in the States. I said, uh, uh, What do you mean with the tour? A live tour? <laughs> yes, okay, but we have no band. <laughs> 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 and then, then we did an audition in London um, because uh, my, uh, like the Prager Khan, uh, management was based in London and then they put uh, on an audition. And that's how we found uh, Ruth, uh, Lady Galore. And then uh, okay uh, we, we uh, found a couple of good musicians in Belgium we put them on the plane <laughs> okay go touring that because because we were touring in, uh, in Japan and in, in, in Europe and then uh, so they started a tour for six weeks and then we would, uh, then I heard oh they're gonna extend the tour for, for two more weeks and then at the, uh, at the end of the day they, they, they stayed there for four months and a half. <laughs> Because it, it was it was so successful that they kept booking concerts and concerts and concerts. So and then they uh, we, we actually knew that uh, that was it. Was like the big thing in the states. But but for 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 youngsters now or, or people who are like uh, under twenty five, it's you cannot imagine like a world without internet you know it's like uh, in those days that uh, yeah you, you really have no idea what was happening uh, with your, with your band when they were like on, on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean
1: you know what I thought was fascinating was when you did the album with Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures like how did that come about did you approach him did he approach you like how did you end up making a paranormal album
4: yeah the, the strange the strangest thing is that I've never met him Personally, so, but I know that he was, uh, I, I like management in America. They said, yeah, it's like like Baggins is a big fan of Lord Bassett, and uh, it would be nice to do a collaboration. So, uh, uh, first thing we did was uh, having him on the uh, the oh. deep chill. Yeah, he did a song on that one, and but he really liked it so much that he said, Okay, let's uh, let's uh, take it uh, a step further and uh, let's uh, try to create a, like an album together. I come up with uh, with uh, like the ghost uh, he was so he came up with the, the ghost vocals, you know, ghost uh, sounds like yeah, the, EV, the EVP sounds and, and you know, so- yeah, the TV, that's that's what it is. <laughs> and so he sent me like a lot of files you know, hours and hours and hours and uh of uh, evp sounds and he came also with the, with the, like all the stories uh and also with the guy bobby uh, what's his name again bobby uh the, the singer the guy that killed himself uh yeah but he was also did he kill himself he was also on the record he did the song with us on the record i'm
1: sorry i thought you were talking about the guy that the song that the necrofusion uh album was about oh you're thinking of bobby Mackey's music world
4: yeah, 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 yeah. Bobby, Mikey, yeah, And so there, it was a lot of fun, but it were a lot of uh, strange nights in the studio because yeah, you're sitting there uh, most of the time. I was uh, on my own, uh, so listening to these to, to all these sounds, you know, <laughs> in the in the studio in the middle of the night, trying to get get to get some good samples out of it. It was uh, really uh, strange. Strange, strange. <laughs> and then, okay, I, uh, then I, we, we, we put the music uh, under it, and then uh, it started to become songs. And, and at the end of the day, I'm really, really happy with the result. you know, because uh, in a way, it's a, it's a very, very good album. I really like it a lot. You know.
1: Yeah. Were there any particular when you were listening to the EVPs? um because sometimes when you listen to evps and i listen to them all the time were there any particular ones that you were like oh my god this is totally somebody talking like this is totally great or uh i can completely hear like the ghost talking here was there any ones that stuck out for you uh
4: there were quite a bit you know where you really could uh could could, could hear uh, like very clear what what they were saying because uh okay there's also uh like, uh, there's also a, a couple songs on the album that, 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 that okay, we, we twisted it around and trying to create something out of it, you know? But there were also actually some songs that I can't, can't remember, but when you listen to the album, you will hear it immediately, where there's actually, like, uh, an EVP that that, that that says there are a sentence in them. <laughs> that, is, that, that, that is really creepy. Yeah.
1: When you were working on it, and this particular one, did you come into it with any kind of, like, had you seen Ghost Adventures before or had you seen any of those kind of ghost hunting shows or was that all new to you?
4: That was all new to me because I, I didn't know, uh, I, I didn't know Zach or I didn't know, uh, didn't know the, the Ghost adv- uh, uh, Adventures or what, what, what the show called, yeah, Ghost, adventures, ghost right? adventures. Yeah, But now it's now it's also in Belgium on TV since, uh, since last year. But uh, I they, they informed me that it was like a popular show on uh, Bravo Channel or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so now it's, it's becoming really popular over here. But uh, we, have, we, we, we don't have uh, these kind of shows here in Europe. Nowadays we have it because uh, we have uh, like uh, the cable TV. Uh, that, like, like uh, We have a lot of channels now from America. So uh, we see like a lot of uh, shows uh, yeah, now. But in those days, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. And the thing is that uh, I've never met uh, Zach in my life, you know, like most of the people say, okay, how is Zach? But never <laughs> right. met him. I only had him on the phone, like uh, most of the time. And uh, when he did, uh, when he recorded his vocals, because uh, right. he, he did like uh, this uh, kind of a rappy thing on, uh, on the Lodge of Basset track, and then he uh, he was recording it uh, in the studio uh, with the guys from uh, from Managed snails, yeah. And then they recorded the vocals there and then they sent it over to me and I uh, put it on the tape. Uh, so, yeah, that's how it came together.
1: So did anything weird happen to you when you were working on that record? Did any of those uh, EVPs come alive in the way that, um, like, your computer shut down mysteriously or a plug-in didn't work or your synth was making weird noises? Was there any... You know vestigial weirdness that happened,
4: yeah, it happens all the time. But the thing is that okay, it have, uh so sometimes you have like a radio that's coming through through your boxes, you know, like uh, like frequencies. And uh, yeah, that yeah, they added a lot uh, during those days. And then, uh, yeah, it's like the more you start thinking about it, the more uh, yeah, creepier it gets. Uh? It's like, uh, and especially in the middle of the night, and uh, or when, when 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 there's wind in the building and the door. Eyes open and stuff like that. That happened a couple of times, but uh, it's it's not that I'm I'm scared of ghosts, you know. Uh, Like uh, I was always always uh, like uh, um, like almost begging to that uh, for a ghost to uh, to show up, right? (laughs)
1: Now, this is other thing I was going to say is that, you know, you've played thousands of different venues, and uh, I know you guys played the Rave your last time through Milwaukee, and, you know, the Rave has got a bunch of famous ghost stories. It's rumored that, like, Buddy Holly haunts the Rave and things, and I was wondering if at any of the theaters you've ever played or the venues, you guys have ever had anything weird in particular happen to you while you're there?
4: Um, no, not that I know of, but... Uh... Uh, because we played a lot of old theaters too, huh? like uh, sometimes you play theaters that uh, that you still uh, that, that they tell you, okay, Houdini uh, he he performed here uh, like a uh, you know, hundred years ago or something like that. These are old uh, theaters, but uh, never had the ghost encounters. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: Sure. A couple of the other things I was wondering, about, specifically um, connected to, you know, altered states of consciousness, and especially, I think, I feel like that with, you know, techno and electronica, is you know this idea that when you're at a show and you're dancing, you know, either with uh, with drugs or without drugs, sometimes I feel like the music and the movement and the electricity of the room can alter their state of consciousness and i was just wondering if you ever felt anything like that or had any you know thoughts uh, about that with because you guys played so many shows and obviously create that kind of nonstop dance music uh, if you've ever experienced anything like that
4: uh, i know that, it, uh, that that you can get into like a natural high by uh, dancing uh, to uh, rhythm and especially to like a uh, very uh, hypnotic techno uh, style, right? or or with a lot of how do you say uh how do you say preachy uh, sounds uh, spiritual like- music or like gospel music <laughs> sounds you know like speaking like the acid sounds then you can because I I remember like one time because I've been to so many clubs in my life mm-hmm. and one time I was in a club and it was called the Hanover ground and it was in London and uh, I was in the club and they played uh, the record uh, higher state of consciousness uh, by wink you know that record
1: no I don't think I've heard it
4: yeah so you have to listen to it it's like a like seven minutes track uh, from with breakbeat with an acid uh, TB303 that, uh, that they start to uh, manipulate and start turning the knobs and make it like more and more uh, high and stuff and that was the only time that I really uh, was are thinking, you know, you know, the scene from uh, from that movie uh, that uh, people are dancing and there's, there's blood coming from the ceiling with the New Order track. What, what's the movie? Blade. Oh,
1: yeah. Carrie? And then the prom and then the blood comes.
4: <laughs> no, no. There's another movie. I think it's Blade or some. Blade, I think. Oh, yeah. The vampire movie. That's pr- And it's an electronica scene. Yeah, and Blade. The electronica scene. So. And I was in that club, and everybody was really going crazy. It was so weird. Like there was not one single guy in the room who was not like really going like completely crazy because they were all dancing like crazy. And that was the moment that I thought, oh, next thing is going. That's going to happen. Is they're going to come blood out, <laughs> out of the ceiling? <laughs> it was so intense. And yeah, it 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 happens uh, when when you have like. It's basically techno music, you know, like hard pounding techno music. It's, it's like that, that can really put you in a trance, you know, that uh, you yeah, that, that get into a natural high. Of course, when you take something, it, it helps. <laughs> right. It makes the process <laughs> a little faster. Yeah, but you can, you can get into a natural high. It's like, OK, OK. It's also when you're a runner and right? you run like uh, every day uh, or run marathons, you get also in a, in a natural high. And that can also happen with dancing. Yeah. that's that's for sure. Yeah. Since you've been playing
1: music for so long and you've done it and you've experienced it, you're talking about the incredible highs of like you know obviously you've you've played amazing shows but also the incredible highs of like being on the roller coaster of like hey our you know our songs at the top of all the DJ charts in the United States and we're touring all over the world and like getting songs and big movies and all that kind of stuff. You know, I wonder if you have you ever had in the past 3 decades any time where you're like, you know what? I'm tired. I don't want to do it anymore, or it, you know, it's too tough, or things like that. You get discouraged, and if there's anything in particular you did uh, to remind yourself, you know, that it's worth sticking out and making it through.
4: Yeah, but the thing is that uh, it's music, uh, music is my life, and uh, in a way, it's also. It started as a hobby, and it became uh, my uh, my profession. Uh, I'm really, really grateful to the fans, of course. If uh, if the w- if the fans wouldn't buy my music, uh, I would be uh, maybe <laughs> a taxi driver or whatever. You know? <laughs> so I'm I'm extremely uh, like happy that uh, that uh, that I have a lot of fans uh, all over the world. And it's uh, okay. You always have, have ups and downs, you know. It's in everything you do. It's in relationships. It's in work. Uh, it's uh, in in a career. But uh, yeah, it's. You know, it's like when it's raining, the, the next day the sunshine is it's like it's sun. sunshine's coming up, so it's always uh, that's that's life. Eh? But the uh, the thing is that the most important thing is that you can do what you really like. You know, in your in your life, it's like you you have to chase your dreams. And uh, I I lost my my father when he when I was really young. You know, uh, he died when I was eleven. And uh, so when you when, uh, there's not much that I remember of him, but there's like one thing that I, that I really remember very well. It's like, and he said to me, that like, uh, son, uh, if you want something hard enough and you just go for it, you know, 100%, then you get it. And uh, that's what I always, uh, that, that was my motto in life, you know, it's okay. Uh, because i'm just I'm from a little tiny kingdom uh, in europe called belgium so uh there's not much happening over here like music wise uh, that that goes international so for me it was okay i have to make it uh, into the uk and uh, we have to have uh, like a hit there and that. it's like okay for me it was like a mi- i was on a mission and the good thing was that while I was on the mission, I, I could do the thing that I liked the most, you know, making music and uh, performing, touch bands uh, and having a great time on tour. So that's
1: that's what it is. It's perfect, and you're still doing it 30 years later.
4: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and, and and I'm still like uh, extremely excited to go on tour, and I'm still I'm still very very happy uh, when I come to party uh, or to wherever, the Upper, many wherever. That there's a lot of people were there that I know for so many years, you know. It, it's like uh, my little family at the other side of the ocean. <laughs> it's like, I know that I can count on, on them and, uh, and yeah we, I think we have the best fans in the world. I'm almost sure that we have the best fans in the world. Yeah. They're very, very dedicated and they're very honest, they're very uh, loyal. Uh, but uh, yeah, they know that I'm doing my utmost best uh, to... Uh, yeah. To do what I like the
1: most, making you. All I'd right, like to thank uh, Praga Khan from the Lords of Acid for joining us. And if you guys are in Milwaukee on March 7th, make sure you check out the show with the Jenna Torturers. At the Miramar Theater. Maybe you'll see the man on the maybe, wheel. Right. Maybe you will see an extreme ritual happen, but the dancing, you know, if you dance hard enough at that show, you probably will uh, alter your state of consciousness, and maybe something positive will happen.
2: Right. Or oh, you might conjure God. some ghosts. Or,
1: Who knows? Or you might conjure some ghosts. So, Lords of Acid is not known for their subtlety when it comes to the music. As Praga said <laughs> that, you know, people used to think of them as the Benny Hill of techno. And so, we decided... Oh. We, <laughs> I, I hope they covered his song, too. <laughs> right, the- Yakety Sex. <laughs> Yakety Sex, yep. they, could just call it, they would just call it Yakety Sex, and it would be a deep beat and probably some women moaning. Um, but that's what we went for in this week's Paranormal Song of the Week, a Lords of Acid-inspired song. And because there was no reason to bring subtlety in the mix, it's just flat out called Ghost Sex. Now, you can hear that on the Spotify See You on the Other Side playlist, or you can check that out at the show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 236.
0: And if you would like to find an easy way to hear that song and have it delivered right to you in MP3 format, how can they do that,
1: Mike? Well, they can do that by joining the See You on the Other Side Patreon community at OthersidePodcast.com slash donate. Ah, yes. Yeah, the community is that we talk uh, with everybody, special polls. We do a hangout every month. Ideas for podcasts and topics and everything like that. Um, The Patreon community are the coolest people we know. In particular, Dr. Ned, our Patreon member who donates at a level that we give him his
0: own personal shout out every single episode. Ned, thank you so much for your support. You're wonderful. Right.
1: You, you're helping to keep, see you on the other side uh, in business and we absolutely appreciate that. If you guys would like to be part of that community, then please check that out at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. And once you're done joining the Patreon, make sure you check out Scott's website at... Uh,
3: That's com, where uh, in addition to... I don't know, just everything coast to coast. We we do have a, some good dance hall ghost stories out of uh, Amarillo, Texas, where a phantom drum solo is still heard. Yes! Which that's the coolest thing I've ever heard of. And, of course, you know, we cover Resurrection Mary. Speaking of dancing ghosts, uh, ghosts you can dance with. And uh, you don't even have to give them a ride all the way home afterwards because they vanish from your car in the process. <laughs> but all sorts. Of, there's so many stories. It's a real cheap date. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you, going over it, there's so many stories Historically, that involved music, phantom music coming. Uh, just out of the walls out of nowhere, and um, dance hall ghosts specters dancing uh, not too far from where we 're standing right now, down in just a couple blocks away at the Knickerbocker hotel, uh, Rudolph Valentino is still seen dancing through the the lounge area oh, lots man. of stories coast to coast that
1: Breaking hearts from beyond the
3: virus. involve music and dancing
1: sounds good and Allison uh, where can they find more about you?
2: Well, they can find more about me at hawaiiparacon.com dot com and it 's a especially great place for you to check out if you 're interested in in hearing from indigenous voices in the paranormal field.
1: And Wendy, if they want to listen to a Sunspot song and they haven't joined the Patreon yet, where's the best place they can do that?
0: You can check that out at sunspotuniverse.com. All right, everybody,
1: turn it on and crank it up, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for
0: listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com.
4: Until next time, see you on the other side. And I can talk like this and say, Hey, Robinson
1: Lottie, get out here and talk to us. What are you doing? Get out here, you. I think you're a tough dude. I'll give you a Glaswegian kiss.